You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning, everyone. It's great to see all of you here today, and I want to welcome all of you, as Jay has already done this morning online. We're so glad to have you with us this morning as we are in part two of the series, Best Wishes. My name is David. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's my privilege to invite you to study God's Word with me this morning. We don't just come together for any reason. We come together to study God's Word, to worship, to pray, to seek Him together as a church family. And so we're going to be in the book of Hebrews. It's going to be in your New Testament. If you need a Bible, there are some in the chairs below you there. And as Jay already mentioned, we do have the Riverside app. encourage you to follow along online, and you can email yourself those notes that you might take today, because I believe that the Holy Spirit has some very specific things that He wants to speak to us today in terms of best wishes for us. As I have been mulling over our text today and reading through it, it is going to be the perfect setup for us to head to the Lord's Supper to remember his broken body and his shed blood for us in just a few moments. And so I want to encourage you, if you're here in the room, you didn't get any of the communion elements and you want to participate today, they're at the entranceways there. Again, online, if you haven't gotten ready for that, encourage you to do that as we end our preaching time together this morning. We're going to do that together as a church family in remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. As I was thinking about this text in Hebrews, uh, the, the, the phrase that just kept running through my mind was a phrase that I didn't understand. In fact, I was a little bit frustrated by it when I was a a teenager, probably late in the high school process and certainly into college. And then even a few times as as an adult and marriage, a phrase that I would hear my parents use uh, that now as a parent, I tend to think this way and, and use this language as well. And I remember I would go to my mom or my dad sometimes and I would want them to help me make a decision. In fact, to be honest with you, I really wanted them to make the decision for me. Uh, and, and I didn't want to have to necessarily dig in and think through it or pray through a decision. Uh, and, and they wouldn't always do that. Sometimes if I just couldn't help my direct, you know, I'd directly ask them, occasionally they would give me an opinion or a, a direction that they thought I should go in. But for the most part, they would continually say, have you talked to God about it? Have you prayed? Have you sought the scriptures? And then at the end of the day, this was the phrase that they would use. David, David and Amy, we just want what's best for you. And you might hear that phrase. In fact, that's the title of our message today, what's best for you. That's what our heavenly father wants for us. Now, you might hear that. In fact, I've said that to Joshua and I've said it to Jenna over the last several years is, you know, when, they, when they've had those same conversations, I take great pleasure in saying it actually. Uh, but I, I'll say that phrase, you know, we just want what's best for you. And here's the thing about that statement. You might immediately assume that what's best is easy and comfortable and safe and avoiding of risk or avoiding of hardship or difficulty or you know, trials or tribulations. But the truth is, is sometimes what's best for us is actually some of the most difficult things. And our Heavenly Father, I believe today, wants to speak what's best over us. As he has anointed by his Holy Spirit, we believe that the letter that we're going to study here this morning, the book of Hebrews is what we know it as today, we believe that that was actually anointed by God through the Holy Spirit and moved on the writer 
which we're not exactly sure who it was. Some think it was the Apostle Paul. Others think it was some of his, perhaps one of his protégés in Barnabas or uh, in Apollo, some of the New Testament names. We don't honestly know. Think it was written roughly the mid to late 60s before the temple was destroyed in the 70s. But what we believe is that the Spirit anointed this writer to where what they wrote was actually the best wishes from our Heavenly Father to those readers in the first century, and certainly they have enormous implications for us today. And so I want to invite you to begin to think about the best wishes that God Almighty would have for you and for me today, those watching online. And as we prepare to head to the table, I want to invite you as we read this text to stand with me in honor of God's word. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 13. And I believe our Heavenly Father speaks these, I want what's best for us, not easiest, not the safest, not the most comfortable, not pain-free, but these blessings. Because of Jesus, we're able to receive these blessings. Listen to it in Hebrews 13, beginning in verse 20. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Lord, as we study your word this morning, you have got some amazingly personal, practical words to speak to the Riverside family. Those that are here in this room, those that are watching online, those that are listening later in the week by podcast, you have something very specific to speak to us. Before we were born, you knew that we would be interacting with this text this day, this season, and you would know what we would need to hear. May we not forget that as we listen to what you want for us that is actually what is best for us. It's in your name that we pray, amen. You may have a seat. So I wanna unpack these. I wanna share with you just a few of these best wishes from the writer to the people that were receiving this letter, from God to us and from my heart to you. First of all, we read through this again. May the God of peace, may the God of shalom, the source of peace, May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus. Now this is the only time in the book of Hebrews where it explicitly refers to and mentions not by the exact name of the resurrection, but that's the idea. This is the only time where that is explicitly mentioned. Brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, that's one of the key things that you need to be able to get a hold of, that Jesus lived, that he died, that he was resurrected, and he actually came back from the, de- from the dead. That's why we follow him. Anybody that can prophesy their own death and their own resurrection and actually pull it off, I'll follow that person. And so this idea of bringing back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you or prepare you or edify you, with everything good for doing his will. This is where this intersects with this idea of our theme for this year, kingdom come. We're praying this year, 
your kingdom come, your will be done. This is where this comes in. We've been equipped to do his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. All of this is possible because of Jesus. And then it's for his glory forever and ever. The first thing that I want you to notice here is that God wishes me and you peace. God would speak over you today, no matter where you're at, no matter what it is that you're going through, his peace. Now, Jesus said he wouldn't give the kind of peace that the world gives. His is better. His is an internal confidence that he's with you and that he will take care of you no matter how bad things get. It's not, as I've already said, the absence of conflict or difficulty or hardship or pain. His peace passes our understanding and it guards our hearts and our minds in Christ. His peace offers harmony and the healing of disunity. And man, don't we need that in our world today. Throughout Paul's letters, in fact, I was doing a little bit of a study on this idea of peace, especially as it relates to the book of Hebrews and then throughout the New Testament. And there was a verse that I was studying and it just jumped off the page and I just felt this very clear prompting to share it with the Riverside family in this season. And perhaps it's just for us at a corporate level. Perhaps it's for you personally. I want to invite you to put yourselves back into the first century. Imagine that you're receiving a letter from the Apostle Paul and you're living in the Roman Empire. You're living in the community of Rome. Listen to what Paul wrote as he's wrapping up this letter that is a ridiculously amazing theological treatise through the book of Romans. But look at the last chapter, the last few verses. Look at what the Apostle Paul says that I think is so encouraging to us today as we think about God wishing us peace. He says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Somebody say, let it be. Amen. May the God of peace crush Satan under your feet. Now, how is this peace possible? The writer here says it very clearly. It's through the blood of the eternal covenant. When it talks about the idea of eternal, there's no possibility of it becoming obsolete or another covenant being needed. It's the blood of the eternal covenant. It was Jesus' blood, which speaks to the emblem of his blood at the communion table. And actually, again, when you read Hebrews, if you ever kind of wanted from a New Testament, from a new covenant perspective of all that the 39 books of the Old Testament are about, you read Hebrews, and that'll give you a summary and a beautiful way of how Jesus was the fulfillment of those Hebrew scriptures. This idea of this blood of the eternal covenant alludes to several Hebrew texts, two of which help us to grasp this theme that the writer is talking about. One's all the way back in Jeremiah chapter 32. I put it in your notes and we'll look at it here briefly. This is 600 years before the birth of Jesus. He says, I will make an everlasting covenant with them. This is God speaking through Jeremiah to the people in that context 600 years earlier. I will never stop doing good for them. I will put a desire in their hearts to worship me and they will never leave me. Honestly, that's what I've been praying for us, that God would put such a desire within our hearts 
to worship him, to pursue him, that we would never forsake him, that we would see through a set of lenses, your kingdom come, your will be done, that we would be passionately pursuing that all the days of our lives. Then you go just a few years beyond that to 575 BC and the prophet Ezekiel speaking. This is what he says. I will make a covenant of peace with them. Again, Ezekiel speaking on behalf of God. It will be an everlasting covenant. And I will establish them and increase their numbers. And I will put my sanctuary among them forever. How is this peace established? When God says, I wish you peace, it's because of the eternal blood, the covenant that Jesus gave us that we're going to remember in just a few moments. But there's more than peace. He also wishes us provision and protection. These next verses really speak to this idea of protection and provision. Jesus, he he mentions Jesus, the great shepherd. Jesus would refer to himself as the good shepherd. But here the writer, using this imagery, drags that idea of being a great shepherd that was still as relevant in the first century as it had been hundreds of years earlier when King David had lived and when the prophets had spoken. But this recalls this idea of when God spoke through the prophet Ezekiel, there came a moment where the leadership of the nation of Israel, the pastors, the shepherds, the ones that were supposed to be caring for the people were not doing their job. And so God brings an indictment in Ezekiel chapter 34. And he says, this is what you're supposed to be doing. You're not doing it, so I myself am going to do it. And so when we think about Jesus as the great shepherd, listen to the provision that he offers us and listen to the protection that he offers us as our great shepherd. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. I will rescue them. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries. And I will bring them into their own land. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Before you were born, today, in this season, your heavenly father wanted you to hear that he has your back. That as a good, great shepherd and us as his sheep, he will look for us. He will come after us, not to catch us doing wrong, but motivated always by love. He's here today. And if you're hungry, he's here to feed you. If you feel tired and worn out, he's here to lead you to rest. If you've lost your way, he's been searching for you the entire time and he's here today, whether you're in this room or not or you're watching at home, he's here today to bring you back to to him, back home. If you're broken or if you're sick, he's here today to restore and he's here today to heal. He knows you better than you know yourself and he loves you. And he invites you, as he does in Matthew chapter 11. He says this, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest 
for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He wishes you peace. He wishes you provision and protection as a great shepherd who has given his life, his very broken body and his shed blood for us. He wishes the very best for you and for me and he's made it possible through his son, but there's more. Next, I read through the rest of this and I see that he wishes you and he wishes me preparedness and perseverance. I haven't done an alliterated message in a long time, but this was just all right there. Preparedness and perseverance. Listen to what he says next. May the God of peace equip you with everything good for doing his will. That word for equip means prepared, means, has this idea of preparedness. It means to make ready for use. And the verb has the idea of equipping by means of adjusting, by means of shaping, by means of mending or restoring. So you'll see it in other translations. It'll say, may the God of peace make you perfect. Now that can really be intimidating because we know how far we are from perfect. So I chose to make you prepared. And it's the translation of one Greek word that would have been incredibly, incredibly familiar to the people who were receiving this letter the very first time they read it. To the doctors, they knew that it meant to set a broken bone. That's what that word equip meant in a doctor's context. To fishermen, it meant to mend a broken net. To sailors, it meant to outfit a ship for a voyage. And to soldiers, it meant to equip an army for battle. So how does our heavenly father equip us for life in his kingdom? How does he actually do that? And if you begin to trace this Greek word throughout the New Testament, you'll see all of these ways that God equips us and prepares us to live in his kingdom. You see there through the New Testament, we discover that the Holy Spirit equips us through scripture. So that's why we encourage you every single week, every single day to read your Bibles. That's how you get equipped to live in the kingdom. He does it through prayer. He does it through the interconnectedness of the body of Christ, the family of God through one another. And as much as we don't like this part, he equips us through suffering. He prepares us for life in the kingdom through suffering. Now, this is not rocket science. I didn't say anything that was probably brand new to any of you, but we must embrace this And we must embrace these ways that God matures us. And I want to invite you to begin to meditate on this word, yieldedness. This is how you begin to receive this equipping process, this equipping work. You yield yourself in times of scripture readings. You say, Father, would you please make me perfect? Father, would you please prepare me for every good work, for doing your will, and bringing your kingdom here on earth. Would you do that through my prayer times? Father, would you do that through my interconnectedness with other believers, other followers of Jesus? Would you do this even through the difficulties, even through pain? What if 2020, what if a pandemic, what if all the stresses and the strains of an election year were specifically designed to prepare us for what God has in the future? We should not waste this year and the difficulty and the suffering, we should be able to then grow from it. And has it been fun? No, it's never fun. Suffering's not, whoo, man, that was awesome. God, could I have some more suffering, please? 
But if we could see it through the lens of equipping us and preparing us and increasing our capacity to persevere, then God's work in us would not be wasted. And we could come out stronger. We could come out healthier. We could come out wiser. And we could come out a brighter light shining in this world if we could begin to truly get a hold of this. And here's the thing. We don't do this in our own strength. We do it with his power, his Holy Spirit's power. Jesus wants to set the broken bones in our lives so that we might walk straight and that we might run our race well. He wants to repair the broken nets in our lives so that we might fish for the good of others. He wants to equip us for battle and outfit us so that we will not be battered in the storms of life. And he wants to mature us. He wants to grow us so that we can accomplish what he has set for us to accomplish so that he can work in us and through us what pleases him most and brings him glory and brings him honor. That's what the writer is praying for. And I believe God has for us today. And he goes on and he says, may he work in us. This is this idea of maturing. May he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Because of the resurrection, we are shaped to be the kind of people who will please our heavenly father. And he enables us then to do the kind of work that will bring him glory. He wants us to be the kind of people who will do his will so that we will do the kind of work that will bring his glory. So in light of the peace that he speaks to us today, in light of the provision and of the protection, in light of the preparedness and the desire that God has for us to persevere, that can't just be for us, right? Nothing in the scriptures ever say that all of this stuff is just for me. Thank you. I'm going to just go ahead and put all of this stuff, all of these best wishes, all of these blessings in my pockets, and I'm going to go home, and I'm not going to extend them to others. Never the heart of our heavenly Father. When he expresses best wishes to us, he expects, expects us then to offer those to others through us. In light of that, listen to what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 13 and verse 16. Don't forget, because we can forget when we're in all of these other situations, don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. And I am so proud of our Riverside family that in this year, we took this to heart these last several weeks. We gave you the opportunity here and online to offer a one-day offering. And in a year where there's been such difficulty and hardship and pain, I'm happy to tell you that 45,000, north of 45,000 has been brought in to partner with One Day, with Convoy of Hope and One Day to Feed the World. My friends, that's miraculous in this year. And then, yeah, we can, we can be excited about that. We should be excited about that in the humblest of ways, right? Because it's all his to begin with. We're just returning it to him. We're giving it to him because he wants us to pass on the best wishes to others who don't have. I'm happy to tell you so far, the number I've heard from the Salvation Army bell ringing that we've been at in here in Verona is over 6,000 has been brought, up through that, brought in through what's been done when Riversiders 
are ringing the bell. And I'm sure that'll be more than that, but that's where it was the last I had heard. So don't forget to do good and share with those in need. Then over in chapter 10, verse 36, listen to where this connects to our idea of best wishes today. He says, patient endurance. What's best for you? Patient endurance. I felt like this was for someone so specifically this morning, and I don't know who, maybe many of us. Patient endurance is what you need now. So that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Patient endurance is what you and I need now. How many of you would say, yep, I need some patient endurance right now? It's me. Online. Give me a thumbs up. Do one of these. Whatever you want to do. What's the Spirit saying to you right now about patient endurance? It's not just so you can have it comfortable and easy. It's so that we can do the will of God. So that we can see his kingdom come and his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. That's always God's motivation. Not that we hoard it all to ourselves, but that we extend that through us to others. Then the writer ends with that famous closing aspect of prayer that so many don't even know about. He says, amen. Let the God of peace do all of these things. And then he says, amen. And if you've never known what that word means, you just were taught from a little kid, that you were supposed to say, amen. That's like, you know, the, the bookend of a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, or Jesus, or God, or whatever, and amen. Amen literally means let it be. Let it be. Let it be. Let me see the peace, the provision, the protection. Let God do that preparing work and help me to persevere so that I can then extend that on to others. And I want to invite you, as we close today, to make this your prayer. We're going to put it up on the screen. It's in your notes. I would encourage you to pray this prayer. Lord, prepare me using this text. Prepare me in every good work to do your will. Work in me that which pleases, most pleases, and honors you. Live through me, Jesus. I want you to receive all the glory. Now, I won't know if you're playing at home, but I encourage you to participate. And I want to invite all of us today right where we're seated, to pray this prayer out loud. So would you pray it with me? You can say, when you leave today, you can say, I prayed in church out loud in front of other people. Okay? You're behind the mask. Nobody will know, but I'll, God will hear. He'll know. Here we go. Would you pray it with me? Lord, prepare me in every good work to do your will. Work in me that which most pleases and honors you. Live through me, Jesus. I want you to receive all the glory. What's best for you? What's best for me? On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he took the cup because he knew what was coming and he knew what was best. It was not going to be easy it was not going to be comfortable. It was not going to be fun or enjoyable. But for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. 
because he knew what was best for you and for me was for him to sacrifice his life on that cross so that we might have eternal life. As you open up your elements... I want to read to you the last verse of Hebrews. It's a very simple statement, one that we can quickly just gloss over, but it has so much power in light of what we're talking about here today. The writer ends with this, grace be with you all. This bread, this cup, is what makes grace available unmerited favor. We don't do anything to earn this. You didn't do a thing the entirety of your life, and nor have I, to deserve the peace and the provision and the protection and this perfectionistic work that God is doing within us, preparing us to live in his kingdom and the perseverance that he offers us. We haven't done a thing to earn that or to deserve that. It is by grace. These elements remind us of that today. Jesus willingly and voluntarily, mind you, laid down his life for us, his sheep. And the new and the everlasting covenant that we've looked at here this morning has been signed with his blood. And his resurrection confirms that his blood was effective in establishing the eternal covenant by which we experience peace and by which we enter and live in his kingdom. So as you hold the bread and look into that cup, I want to invite you into that upper room. 2,000 years ago where Jesus took the bread and he broke it. He gave thanks and he handed it to his disciples and he said, take and eat all of you. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. And as the supper ended, they were wrapping things up. He took this cup and he gave thanks. And he said, this cup represents the new covenant our words today, the eternal covenant. And I'm signing it in my blood for you. Let's drink together. Thank you, Lord. We're going to respond this morning in song. invite you to stand. And if you in these next several moments as we sing these next couple of songs, if you want to come and find a place to pray down here around the front, kneel. It's always appropriate to respond to the great shepherd in that way. Maybe you'll find a place to kneel there. Maybe you'll just be swept up in worship as we sing these songs. But let's not waste this opportunity that we have 
go to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who gave his life in our place. Jesus, thank you for expressing to us today, remembering your shatteredness, your very death that gives us life. As we go to you and worship your sons and your daughters, may we receive these best wishes from you for us. And then, Lord, as we sing, as we worship, would you please bring to mind people who this day and this week need to hear of your peace. They need to be reminded of your provision, your protection. Perhaps they're going through something that is so difficult that they've lost sight or they don't even know that you might be equipping them. You might be maturing them. You might want to use us to speak that hope into their situation, to reframe it, to see that you want them to persevere. You want them to not give up, but to continue the fight. Would you equip us today as we sing, as we pray, as we worship? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Seal this word in our hearts today. Crush Satan under our feet. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.